It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Everyone, or morning, if you hear it in the morning or afternoon or whenever, uh, this is Dr. Simon, and we, the show I do is called The Stories We Live By, and I want to do a weird one tonight, and I'll explain why uh, before I hang up and end the show. Um, many years ago, uh, I was thinking, uh, waiting for a patient who uh, was a difficult person to work with, who um, had all kinds of potential, I thought, to become the kind of person she would want to be and that I would want to see her become. Uh, And I'll explain that in a moment. Um, But she was so trapped by uh, an alcoholic father. Uh, She was an adult now. The father was dead. Uh, The things he had done... um, was so destructive to her throughout her childhood uh, that it was a struggle for her to change uh, the behavior that in her life uh, led her to pick the wrong person uh, to marry, a man who was brutal and and, uh, abusive to her, uh, conflict that emerged in her relationship with her children that was unnecessary. And she suffered so terribly from this. Uh, What I always feel therapy has as its direction or its goal is not to cure anything. And anybody who's ever listened to my shows, and if you come to this the first time, you can go back into my archive. I think that one of the most destructive ideas that we've ever come up with is that people who have uh, developed in certain social and and economic uh, and political contexts who are trapped in in those contexts in adulthood or later in childhood uh, and haven't come to own them and therefore and then find alternate uh, ways to live uh, alternate goals to set for their lives Um, uh, had they known certain things before that they grew up or that you could carry into their childhood, uh, things could have been so much different and, and so much uh, easier. Uh, not because there wouldn't be struggle. There is no life without struggle. But there would have been um, easier choices to make and, and less, fewer terrible mistakes that they made with their lives. And when I say that, it's not... My position, uh, my belief that uh, uh, there were mistakes, but theirs. They believe that these things were mistakes, uh, which is why they come to therapy. And I was always amazed uh, that people you would hope would try to get a different lease on their life uh, never would. And uh, people who do uh, because of a desperation 
that somehow on some level, regardless of how they deny their own um, uh, responsibility in the misery of their lives, in the pain of their lives, uh, uh, do come in seeking to change. And the change comes from a motivation not to continue living in a certain way. Um, and yet, it, it, it's, when they come in, it's inchoate. That is, they can't articulate either the goals or what they've been trapped in. And uh, one of the joys of doing therapy, of being a teacher in education, is to provide for people, uh, to work with them so that they develop a framework in which they understand how their backgrounds and how their childhoods uh, have affected them. And I don't, you know, take seriously the idea that anybody could pick their parents, but I do take seriously uh, the randomness of the lives we're born into, that we're not, uh, uh, we have no choice in the matter. Uh, we're chosen, and we're not even chosen consciously. We're chosen out of an act of sex in which a huge number of possibilities for who we were born as uh, existed at the moment of conception. So I want to play this out. It's a fantasy. Pick the right set of parents. And I should say this. This has nothing to do with whether you loved your parents or not. Uh, there's a, uh, I, I want to look at this as, as a kind of, as I always do, something we might learn from uh, so that even though we didn't pick our parents, um, we can act as if we did. That is, make choices to change the things that trapped us, uh, which we didn't understand. And once we understand some of the traps and some of the difficulties with which we were uh, affected uh, negatively, we can make change. So um, it has nothing to do with whether we love them or not. Uh, again, there's another thing here. I've often thought if I could change certain things in my childhood, prevent certain things from happening, uh, or things wouldn't happen, um, would, would I choose? Because I'm looking in hindsight. Uh, I'll be 74 on my next birthday. And uh, basically at this point, uh, I kind of like the person I've become. So the things I would have changed in childhood that were painful not only allowed me to be who I am today, um, uh, uh, which is not to say that maybe who I would have been had those changes taken place, I would have liked myself a hell of a lot more. I would have made fewer mistakes. Uh, I would have less things that uh, when I think back on that I'm embarrassed by or, or, or feel guilty about. Um, the other thing is uh, that maybe had these events that I would have changed in my childhood taken place, uh, maybe I wouldn't be alive. Uh, I lived the trajectory of my life because of exactly what did happen and exactly what didn't happen. Uh, I, I mean, I'll provide that example. Uh, my father died uh, when I was 11. Uh, he worked in the post office. He, he resented working in the post office. He, like that whole generation of immigrants who then were trapped by the Great Depression in the 1930s, uh, was as a bright man, ended up in a post office where he really didn't want to be. He, he had dreams for himself. 
And while he was in the post office, he was always studying and taking exams to better himself and become supervisory. Well, let's say he did live, and he did become a supervisor, and he made more money. Uh, I think I may have said this before. I know I've said it in other, other venues. Uh, and let's say uh, he lived, and, and uh, some of the things I struggled with in adolescence, probably even up till today because I didn't have my father, um, I, I didn't have to struggle with. And let's say he made enough money, and instead of going to city college, uh, which was free, uh, I went to a private college. And let's say I joined a fraternity. And let's say that I uh, had a uh, drunken um, uh, uh, fraternity party and fell out a window and was killed. Uh, there is nothing to say that wouldn't have been the trajectory of my life and that my life would have been much shorter. So if I had the chance to do it over again, knowing where I am as I approach my 74th year, <laughs> uh, I might not do it because I wouldn't know the outcome of whatever choice I would have made that would have been different. That being said, I still want to do this as a kind of an educational uh, uh, process, something that increases insight. Um, so let's say we could pick our own parents. Uh, and set as our goal uh, what I think is the good life. Now, built into the notion of all of psychology, of clinical psychology, is the idea that we want to rid people of what we call pathology, which is really bad living, living that causes pain to the individual and to those around them, uh, living that uh, leads to shorter lives, living that is in one way or another not only destructive but ends up in the views of others and the individual living such a life as being less moral than it should be. Um, and we call that mental illness, and again, I'm not going to go into it tonight, how pathetic that concept is because it ignores the choices that people make and the reasons they make those choices. Uh, but built into that idea that we're trying to help people be less mentally ill is the notion that somewhere there's an alternative that we call mental health. And that alternative, as I've said many times here and on this show and in other venues, uh, is never quite articulated. And in my struggles as a psychologist over the last 50 years, I've articulated such a notion of what I call uh, a positive living, good living, the good life, which in my definition, were I to go back into the mental health notion, is mental health. And that is an individual uh, who can uh, live uh, creatively, uh, while at the same time uh, living as a part of loving, uh, liking uh, community relations, living with other people, in some kind of harmony, uh, working out conflicts without being destructive. Um, one of the things that I, I add to this is being alone for periods of time without being lonely, not panicking when one has to sit down and think through uh, and be with oneself because one likes oneself enough to be alone with oneself. Uh, it's that is being alone without really being lonely. I don't see that, again, as a way of life, but I see that as necessary if one is to be uh, creative, that I don't see being creative in groups or committees. Uh, 
I think ultimately the people who I admire the most as composers and artists uh, have to work uh, as writers, have to work alone. There has to be time for them to think through and be by themselves, with themselves, as they work through uh, their creative efforts and put in the time and effort. Um, so why, what, what is it about childhood uh, that we should know that we could change if we had the wherewithal to do so? Pick the right parents. Pick different parents. And why? Let me, let me just, again, before I go into some of these elements, uh, what makes us vulnerable as children um, is what Piaget, the great developmental psychologist, called pre-operational thinking, a lack of perspective. And this is really what it is, that we believe what our parents tell us is the truth. And as we go through life, we end up believing that, well, and end up in our home. What went, up in our, went on in our home uh, is what not only should be, but will always be. That this is the way life is supposed to be. That this is the way life is. Uh, when I work with children and adults who were not really loved as children, um, the idea is that if I was not loved as a child, I am not lovable. And I've said to many patients and students over the years, uh, if the world has six or eight or ten billion people in it, and two or one didn't love you, uh, at least in, in an effective, appropriate way, then um, out of that eight billion or six billion or ten billion, there are some others who would love you. All right? Part of the problem then is to find out what you're doing in your belief as being unlovable to further the difficulty of anybody else to love you. Uh, Groucho Marx's great comment, which I often give to Woody Allen, and I argue that I still think it's Woody Allen, but it doesn't matter, is I would never have any, join any club that would have me. I would never join any relationship that would have me. So the fixed idea that my life as a child is what all lives are and that it not only will be but should be that life. The other notion that's built into the same idea is that children take responsibility for the things that should be and not be. That if their parents are unhappy, if the world is an unhappy place and they conclude that the whole world is an unhappy place, because of the immediacy of their own environment, either in home or their community, uh, that they're responsible for making it that way and they're responsible for changing it. Some of those desperate of behaviors exist uh, out of a child's need to change what they're not responsible for. And the remarkable thing about this is that children grow up feeling responsible for all kinds of things for which they are not at all responsible, and then being unable to take responsibility for those things in their life which they could be responsible for. And that warping uh, leads to so much misery. So let's talk then about the things that I'd like people to know that I've learned on my own uh, with my own hard struggles and through my work with patients and students so that we would pick the right set of parents, forgetting the parents we actually had, whether we love them or we don't love them, 
Uh, so what is it that uh, you would do? Okay, first, you'd pick parents uh, who live in a non-war zone. Um, the more, uh, the, the, the more uh, hurtful uh, environment, we would pick one that's less violent, um, where it is easier to survive and grow up. Now, this leads to the whole early part of this discussion. When we talk about parents, we talk about them as their personalities, as individuals, when in fact, we're embedded in the world. We're embedded in our environment. Um, how often I have thought of the fact that had my parents met, uh, my father had not been taken by his father, my grandfather, to England, that my mother had not been brought to the United States uh, in the 19, early 1900s, 1917 or 18, escaping from the horrors of anti-Semitism in Russia, the poverty of Russia. And they met in Russia uh, by some strange trick of twist of fate. And I had been born June 8, 1940, uh, in either Poland or uh, Western Russia. I would not be making this broadcast. It was not a place for children of any child but particularly for Jewish children to be born. I'd be dead. I'd be dead in a pit in Baba Yar, uh, where the Nazis led, stood up 20,000 uh, men, women, and children and shot the women with their babies, holding them in their, against their chest so that only one bullet could be used to kill both the baby and the mother. Right? Uh, flukes of fate. How do we understand that? But... Uh, if I were to pick, and I had that choice, I'd pick to be in the Bronx, because while the Bronx was not the greatest place to live and be born, it was stable, it was nonviolent, it was part of a country, part of a city and a country, where the rule of law more or less prevailed. And I think it's incredibly important that we are born in a place where the, law, the rule of law prevails, and that as adults, if we weren't, we follow and tr desperately try to create a place where there are laws in our home and in our lives that we follow, that we follow rules, uh, and when there is conflict, they are not resolved with rage, with guns, with violence. Right? Um, I would have parents who loved each other and as much or even more than parents who loved each other, parents who liked each other, who liked being with each other because you can love somebody and really not like them. Right? And sometimes, uh, um, I mean, I have friends that I like, I don't love, uh, but I like being with people I like who like me and love uh, doesn't necessarily play a role. Probably even the most important, in addition to love, is that I would pick parents who respected each other. I think that is necessary for a child to see. Uh, I would pick parents who are able to resolve conflict without labels and without judgment. And of anybody who's been following my show or wants to go back into the archives, how often we human beings use judgment words 
to uh, create the illusion that we are explaining behavior, explaining the situation that we're in, without any understanding of the motives that a people have within the situations and the difficulties with which they live. I would pick parents who had money. Not a lot of money. It's not necessary. But certainly enough within that uh, environment that is supportive uh, that they can afford food, medical care, and open up uh, possibilities uh, for me or you as a child uh, to live safe, to be nourished, not only emotionally, uh, but to be nourished with uh, good food. I look around in, in the country today at this terrible epidemic of obesity. Uh, young children uh, who are being fed junk food, endless amounts of pretzels and McDonald's and, and, and just sheer junk, pure fat, trans fats, unhealthy foods, uh, and are obese and uh, already showing the signs of uh, diabetes. Uh, uh, this is not a situation in which a child should have to live. And uh, before we blame the parents, um, let's blame the ignorance, let's blame the uh, culture of poverty in which there is both ignorance and a lack of opportunity uh, to get good healthy foods. Uh, there are neighborhoods in which there is not a good supermarket that carries a lot of good, healthy, fresh produce. People eat what is available, and they eat when they're hungry, and then, unfortunately, uh, they continue eating it because, as I gave you the principle before, what will be, uh, should be, and, and this is what's normal for our society. Um, what else? Uh, I would pick parents uh, who uh, discipline the child. But discipline based upon certain principles. First, no violence. Beating children may get them to submit to the rule, but it teaches them certain rules about what should be uh, based upon what is that are destructive. And one of the things that children learn when they are uh, physically disciplined is that it's okay for a big person who is much stronger than a little person to use force on them. Ultimately, it creates rage, shame, uh, destructive emotion, the emotion of shame, uh, to be publicly beaten, to be humiliated. Uh, this, to me, has no place in a discipline system. And so much of the misery of the world um, I believe, comes from the persistence generation after generation of sparing the rod to spoil the child, to avoid spoiling the child. Uh, I think violence in our, in our world sooner or later has to come to an end, and it might come to an end when the violence finally escalates to a, some kind of nuclear holocaust uh, that takes us out as a species or makes us wish we hadn't been born at all. Violence in the home leads to violence in society. The more children are disciplined, studies have shown 
by physical force, by humiliation, uh, by the power of parents rather than some kind of reason, negotiation, uh, proper punishment, proper reward, which I'll talk about in one second, um, the, the more difficult that society is to live in. I recently saw a film about pre-Nazi Germany called The White Ribbon. And you can see uh, the, the, the producer and director of the film, film gentleman by the name of Hanukkah, um, the kind of awful uh, authoritarian, totalitarian discipline based upon pain and humiliation, producing children uh, who can never trust parents, who never tell the truth because the truth is not rewarded in any way, uh, where there is really no forgiveness, uh, become the kind of individuals who will gravitate towards a Hitler, towards authoritarian individuals. And uh, uh, that is a root that we don't want children to grow up in, and nobody I can understand wants to live, unless, of course, they don't see the alternative. That is and what should be. Uh, by the way, I meant to start the show, and I could put it in here, um, with the idea, philosophical idea that somebody once uh, related to me. Uh, a fish is aware of everything in the water with him, but not the water itself. The only way the fish knows that it's in water, or a kind of a water, is to get on a hook and be pulled out of the water. Now, for a fish to be pulled out of the water may give it the awareness of uh, what water is, but it also leads to a very quick death. I don't think it's the same in human life. I think that what I try to do as a teacher and as a therapist and with myself uh, is to get out of the water I was in in many ways as I was growing up, but wasn't aware because when I was a child, and I was, my perception of what is and what should be was so limited, there was no way to imagine another pool to swim in, <clears throat> a larger pool, uh, uh, peaceful waters, or, or whatever. Right? I've talking about, talk, spoken about that many times, uh, that uh, it wasn't until I finished analysis and went to a, my internship and worked with some analysts that I became aware of just how uh, my lower middle class uh, upbringing uh, closed doors or made doors that were there totally invisible. And it was only with the help of some of my teachers in college uh, uh, that those doors became visible and with their help opened so that uh, I got the kind of education that ultimately allowed me to live the life I did as an adult um, and, and, and uh, engage in the kind of crea creative activities uh, that I am so proud of and that are so nurturant to my soul. So I don't think children should be uh, abused, uh, and I consider children being hit as being abused. I think violence in human relationships, whether it's between men and women uh, or between uh, adults and children or between political leaders and their uh, citizenry uh, is abuse and ultimately is destructive. And ultimately, if we are to survive and, and grow as a species, 
uh, and not be wiped out has to be ultimately renounced. The best way to raise children, I believe, picking the right parents, is to have parents who not only tell us what to do, but do what they're telling us to do. So many of us grow up in an environment in which our teachers, our parents, our clerics, rabbis, priests, uh, tell us what to do uh, and then don't do it. Do the opposite. Uh, engage in a kind of hypocrisy of authority. Uh, do as I say and don't do as I do. Not only is this hypocritical, it's impossible because we watch our parents and what they do. And what they do is what we, A, feel should be done and is the most effective thing to do, <clears throat> which is why generation after generation of abused children grow up either to abuse their own children or to be unable to exercise any kind of authority with their children. Uh, children need authority. They need responsible authority that will exercise nonviolent control over their behavior with appropriate rewards and appropriate punishments. While the parents, and this again is most important to me as I learned as a psychologist, as a person, while they have and they demonstrate the behaviors that should be done and avoid the behaviors that should not be done. Pick parents who value education. <clears throat> I mean, that to me is critical. Pick parents who insist that their school system be effective as an educational system. Again, you cannot <clears throat> develop a set of skills if there's no opportunity to do so. You won't develop skills. None of us will develop skills if we're not provided inspiration and motivation to develop those skills. It doesn't happen. So when we're picking our parents, a time and a place of peace, a time and a place where there's food, time and a place where there's law, and time and a place in which education is provided for all children. <clears throat> How awful I look at the political system now that has allowed a situation in which college is only for those who are wealthy or those who are often willing, uh, even if they don't see where they're going with it, uh, to develop debt that will take them 10, 15, 20 years to pay off. Uh, I went, I grew up in a much kinder time where education uh, was concerned. Um, I needn't go on about that. I think that is critical that all children be provided the best possible education and that we as a society uh, and that when we're picking our parents, we pick parents in a society, in a time in which education is revered and education allows every child the opportunity to make the most of whatever their abilities are. An education that not only teaches us a common core of knowledge and values, 
but allows each and every one of us to develop, as I've said so many times before, the individual talents that ultimately can be expressed in our most rewarding, creative, and playful manner. That when we pick our work, we are able to earn a living, to feed ourselves, feed our families if we so choose to have families, uh, in order to, uh, uh, in a way, uh, that the activity is play because we enjoy it for its own sake as well as for the money that we earn or the prestige that we earn, uh, which then makes it work. Uh, my show didn't draw a lot of individuals when I talked about the difference between work and play and being miserable and being uh, happy and, and, and uh, feeling alive uh, where if we only work for money or power or prestige, we are miserable. Uh, it can't be otherwise. It's just not able to be otherwise. Uh, then we, we, we just play outside of work in whatever time is available uh, and enjoy the crumbs of life rather than the central uh, ability to earn a living and at the same time, while we support ourselves, do things that we find joyful and, and effective for ourselves and those around us. So, you know what? I've spoken kind of fast tonight. Um, it's time for my dessert. Uh, i got to decide what I'm going to have tonight. I am... Uh, uh, too caloric already today, but what the hell. And I've said what I wanted to say. Pick the right set of parents. Of course, none of us picked our parents. Uh, there are things we uh, are grateful for our parents, and I've never met anybody who doesn't have certain resentments uh, uh, towards their parents and towards the life that they had as they were growing up. But here I remain optimistic that when we understand what our parents were responsible for and what they weren't responsible for, that uh, the time and the place in which uh, we were born was not of our choice, but often not of the choice of those who bore us, that when we learn about the things, the ideas uh, that we hold as sacred and inviolable and unchangeable uh, because of our childhood experiences, when we can see uh, that these are not immutable, that they're not fixed, when we can own them, uh, when if we're lucky enough to live in an environment in which there are now still opportunities for us to change our attitude, go back to school, pick new relationships, move from one place to another, when these things exist, uh, not only can we change our lives, but we will be the better parents, the better grandparents for those who come after us. So, with knowledge, with escaping from the fixed uh, stories of our lives, with the ability to take over the authorship of our life, there is great hope for change. Again, provided the opportunities do exist, the doors that can be opened for uh, uh, us to walk through and live different lives for ourselves and for the next generation and for our fellow citizens. 
well, I think I've done enough. I've said enough. Um, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do to go back on the air. I feel I've been uh, beating my gums in one direction. I thought tonight's idea was a little bit different. Uh, I'm pleased with it. I feel a, a sense of uh, creativity uh, in having done this show tonight. Um, what I would really love to do maybe over the next couple of weeks is open the line. And for those of you who might hear this show or uh, have heard other shows, uh, tell me your story. Let's discuss uh, the parents we would choose, uh, the lives we would live, uh, and through discussion, uh, maybe uh, open up some doors uh, for us to see uh, the story we've lived in, which was not of our authorship, in order to gain a sense of creative authorship for wherever life we have left for ourselves uh, and those we care for, uh, for the country we live in, for the world we live in. Because things, I believe, right now are not going in the right direction, either in this country uh, or in the world, uh, in, in the nature uh, that we live in, in the environment that we live in. So I'm going to say good night. Uh, I will hold for the next few seconds if anybody's listening to this and would like to call. Keep me on the air for a while. Uh, I'd, I'd forego dessert if uh, there was somebody who would like to uh, have a, a meeting of minds. Saw two patients today that, uh, for the first time that made me come home smiling. Uh, not because their lives weren't made miserable by the uh, nature of their lives, one of whom was a, a man who suffered terribly in Vietnam uh, and now is 68 years old and still suffering the, the effects of that awful uh, years he spent as a soldier uh, and, and uh, felt better for our discussion. And I hope to see him a number of times after and uh, maybe uh, at this point in his life, help him make decisions uh, uh, to change some of the misery he is caught by. Okay, I'm going to end my episode, say good night, go back and join my wife and watch some television. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.